There was a time in my life where I thought I could sense the future. As I would go through my day, my thoughts would drift to a funny joke or a bit of visual comedy, a humorous line or a reference that I didn't get at the time, but then suddenly got. And once I was home, relaxing after homework and and projects and all of that, I'd turn on the TV and, and there sat my reward, the episode of the show I'd somehow been thinking about all day. The show that I credit for being principally responsible for my sense of humor. A television classic still on the air to this day. The Simpsons. Alright gang, we are back to talk about The Simpsons! This is going to be an interesting episode, Miles, because we're not going to dive into the history of The Simpsons because I feel like there's nothing we could add to that conversation. Yeah, I mean, basically I could say that uh, on April 19th, 1987, The Simpsons was introduced to the world on The Tracy Ullman Show. The the sketches proved popular and got a spinoff on Fox. The end. Where it is, it still airs to this day, which we are going to get to, especially in a particular episode that we watched. Uh, because we're, of course, in the middle of COVID-19. We wanted some comfort, comfort food. food. Yeah. And The Simpsons is my favorite TV show of all time. Uh, I say that despite the fact that I haven't regularly watched it in 10 years. And, you know, with it now being on Disney+, Plus, I have been slowly very slowly even before this challenge just watching a couple episodes here and there in chronological order just thinking like every now and then i'm just gonna you know binge a little bit and maybe not catch up but i also coming back to some of these episodes and having seen some sprinkled in i don't know if the show itself some people talk about how oh it's gotten you know worse or some people say it's it's better or it stayed the same and I feel like it's probably stayed the course. It's just that, you know, 30 years have gone by. I compare it to Saturday Night Live in this response because everybody thinks that, like, there was a certain time when, oh, Saturday Night Live hasn't been good since the 70s. Right. And then now we are seeing, oh, Saturday Night Live hasn't been good since the 90s. And before too long, oh, Saturday Night Live hasn't been good since the 2010s. And, and that's possible. And I also didn't want to trivialize the the creation of The Simpsons and the hard work and the many stories that have come out of that show's production. It's one of the, it is the uh, longest running American primetime scripted series in television history. And there are a lot of shows. There's a lot of controversies, but for narrative purposes, you know, when we did Star Trek and we did other things, it really was to kind of tell this whole story with The Simpsons in terms of what we wanted to do and even just sharing the show, there isn't a whole lot really to tell you outside. It's creation was very cut and dry and then it became a massive hit and has been a massive hit cultural phenomenon for the last 30 years. And so what I thought would be more interesting to me personally as Drew's co-host and friend is to kind of, get more of a personal story as to why he wanted to 
to choose this as his comfort food, especially, you know, now when we're definitely watching more things. And I mean, your introduction, Drew, was fantastic, but I kind of wanted to get a little bit more uh, behind that. You know, you said this had been integral into your uh, developing your sense of humor. And yeah. so uh, I guess you start there, like what, what about the show caught you even 30 years ago? And, <laughs> so, and follow up, were you allowed to watch it as a kid? <laughs> so this is where uh, things are a little different for me versus a lot of other people our age. Because remember, this this show started airing in 1989. And in 1989, I was in first grade, 1989, 1990. And the show was starting to take off. And I remember watching it. I believe the first uh, episode I watched was the, I want to say it was the second episode of the show, which was when uh, they go camping. And and mm-hmm. Homer ends up uh, was it Call of the Wild? I, I should have looked this episode up. I wasn't anticipating this question, but I watched that episode with my dad. It was uh, whatever night of the week it was. I think it might have been Sunday. I don't honestly remember at this point. But the two of us watched it together and just cackled laughing uh, to the point where my dad uh, quoted a, a, a pork chops line from that episode for years and years after that. Uh, Cause that was something that we always, we ate pretty regularly when I was growing up. That was kind of his, his like special meat of choice. We didn't have steak. We didn't have ribs. We had pork chops. And so that became a thing. I watched the Simpsons regularly with, with my dad when it would air new and of course, the show exploded in popularity. And you know, I made that I made the the reference to the point where I, that's a real thing. I would think about an episode of The Simpsons and laugh about it in my head all day. And I'd come home, and somehow that episode would be on. And I think what was going on is because that show was in such heavy in- syndication. It was on oh, for yeah. every afternoon and every evening. It was on for an hour on one channel, then an hour on the other channel. And then maybe a new episode that that same week. So I think what happened is I was just subconsciously learning episode orders. And (laughs) therefore, oh, I saw one episode. Well, somehow subconsciously my brain was like, well, you know, this is the episode that's next. Uh, And I would think about that episode. And then there it was. Uh, It's funny that you mentioned that because watching watching this show – because this this was a also a daily routine for me. I, I think on, uh, here on Fox during the weekdays it was uh, from five to six thereabouts. Uh, I think in the evenings, and around that time is when my mom was uh, making dinner, and so I would be watching The Simpsons as like the kitchen light was on. I could hear you know food being made, and when I was watching some of these episodes, uh, uh, we were all you know kind of making dinner together. And I was waiting for stuff to to finish cooking in the oven, so I was watching one of the episodes, and it just it really just transported me in time into like I remember watching this show on live television as like dinner was being made, and it was yeah. it was so trippy. I think my first episode that I remember, I didn't watch it obviously when it aired, but the first episode I do remember watching is uh, Simpsons roasting on open fire. I think because. After the show became a big hit, I remember getting the picture book version of it at the Scholastic Book Fair for Christmas. Which is crazy that that was at the Scholastic Book Fair. Yeah, I, I remember you know you know putting on the list for my parents and stuff. And uh, I should clarify because maybe people don't remember. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm, our audience varies in age. There are 
plenty of members of our audience that are younger than the Simpsons and they don't remember That's when true. they don't remember when Bart Simpson was banned from public schools. You could not wear yeah. a Bart Simpson t-shirt. It was because they Bart Simpson said uh said things sucked and he said damn and he said uh, this my shorts <laughs> my shorts cowabunga well it was partially because in america we did not have any anything quite quite like anime in uh, there were some more mature animated films that had been created but on a mainstream level something like this had never really been done before. I know the Flintstones was prime time back when it aired, but this was a whole different level. This was treating something very mature, but it was a cartoon, and a lot of kids were super interested in it, and a lot of parents were not cool with it. And we were coming out of the 80s. People, I mean, there was no adult swim. Like, the adult swim would have been shocking at this time period. Or, or, or South Park. Or yes, or I mean, South Park, South Park as it was time years some, later. Yeah, next South Park was the next time something like this happened, and, <laughs> and it's it's funny because <laughs> this sh- the show is so, so wholesome <laughs> it, in comparison to a lot of things we see now. So to tell people that this show was controversial for its content with a lot of parents sounds so silly compared to what we have on TV now. It, it is, and you know. <sighs> I mean, the theses have been written on that. There's not a ton else we can say, yes. which, 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 as far as new takes. But, but yeah, again, this is something that, and the the six episodes I picked out. It's funny they are all between three seasons that aired between ninety four and ninety eight, and that is a very interesting time frame for me because that would have been as I was leaving elementary school and getting into middle school. You know, I'm watching some of these episodes at the same time I'm playing Final Fantasy VII. You know, it's 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 interesting well, that that because those are some of the formative years, and that's when I really credit this show and and its presence in my life as being a huge part of my my upbringing. Which sounds like my parents didn't do anything, which is a weird thing to say, but it's just you, you the things you attach to and the things you get comfortable with. Uh, and I I noticed when I was reading uh, about some of these episodes, like. Oh, that person wrote this episode and this episode and this episode. I wonder if this writer is responsible for the things that I find funny. Uh, that's very, very possible. <laughs> I'm it, sorry, Miles, I cut you off. Oh, no, 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 you're you're fine. I just, this show, it's hard to, I think, really describe what the show has done because it's been around for so long. So to, to even give some of the, I would say superlative language that's used with this show. I mean, this show is seen as something that really, you know, kind of bit into American culture and society, the human condition, and was known for being extremely intelligent at times. And, and it still is. And when you watch some of these episodes there, as, as Drew probably would have made this point uh, later, there is that adage the Simpsons did it. Uh, that was popularized by South Park about 13 years later. The idea that the Simpsons have basically said everything there is to have said about almost everything. The Simpsons um, did it episode of South Park is nearly 20 years old. Yes. And 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 when you have a show that's that's run for oh, almost 700 episodes. <laughs> it's mind-boggling. I mean, it's a lot of content. and But there are cultural events that have been, quote-unquote, predicted by the Simpsons. 
And there are cultural events that happened within these episodes. I say let's get down to it because we've got six episodes, seven episodes to go through. Yeah. I want to get to it because, like I said, we chose these as comfort food. I kind of jokingly attributed them to things that we're all going through in society, like social distancing and having to be stuck in the house. There there were some where I was like, man, he is stretching. (laughs) I just like The Simpsons. I don't want to talk about it. I don't care. I am okay with that. All you had to say is... This was your comfort food. You didn't have to like, I know you, so I knew you would do this, but you didn't have to like say, oh, this episode's about this. And this episode is about this. Just say you want to watch The Simpsons, man. I'm down to clown. (laughs) (laughs) So this episode might be one of our shortest episodes ever as we go through or one of our longest as we hit hour six. So let's get to it. Uh, Our boy, oh boy. (laughs) The first episode that we covered is Treehouse of Horror 5. Uh, this is one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, season- like the Treehouse of Horror episodes are always my favorite. Yeah, season six, episode six, originally aired on October 30th of 1994, written by many people. Now, the Treehouse of Horror episodes, I don't know why I'm bothering to explain this, because again, I feel like everyone that is listening to this right now has watched The Simpsons and knows this information. But... For history, uh, the Treehouse of Horror were the Halloween episodes of The Simpsons, where they would typically take three kind of off-kilter mini-stories that were uh, either based on parodies of something else, as we're going to see here, or just kind of their own thing. Uh, and Treehouse of Horror 5 is often considered the best Treehouse of Horror, uh, as, we, as we will get into it. It's regularly rated the, the number one Treehouse of Horror episode even today. Uh, and let's get down to it. Our three mini-stories are The Shinning, Time and Punishment, <laughs> and Nightmare Cafeteria. And I hate to start with The Shinning because I think it is the strongest of the three by it's a long shot. It's one of the best things I think The Simpsons has ever done. And honestly, I'm not a massive fan of the Kubrick film that it's parodying, which is based off the Stephen King novel. But it's an iconic film. And I mean, they do a, a tremendously clever job making this this segment it's it's so much fun and it would inform i think future ones where they just did parodies of movies so i mean and they did parodies before because they did the whole dracula one uh, a couple of seasons before but uh, so the shinning the simpsons have been hired by mr burns to care for his winter his mansion for the winter his his winter lodge Uh, and before they go uh, Mr. Burns instructs Smithers to uh, confiscate all the beer and cut the cable television. <laughs> and uh, to which Simpsons responds, uh, well, sir, uh, if you don't, don't you think that that might be part of the reason why all the previous caretakers have murdered their whole families <laughs> and gone insane? And, and then he's like, hmm, well, if we can return and everyone's dead, I owe you a Coke. <laughs> yeah. And basically that happens. We have, uh, we, we have basically a takeoff on The Shining. You've got... A, a phantom Mo talking to Homer as he's going crazy. Uh, Homer's writing on a typewriter. No beer and no TV make Homer go crazy. No beer and no TV make Homer go crazy. Although actually on the typewriter, it just says feeling fine, which is just a little take on that. And a lot of, yeah, a, lot like of a lot of very fun uh, references. And you also have groundskeeper Willie there to tell Bart that he's got the shin in. You mean, the, you shine? mean the shining? Not the, do you want to get sued? <laughs> I think one of my favorite gags from this is when you have the iconic moment where the blood comes out of the elevator and Mr. Burns just goes, hmm, that's funny. Blood usually gets off on the second floor. 
There are a number of deleted scenes from this episode or from this moment, uh, because, of course, in The Shining movie, there are twins and we have two sets of twins in The Simpsons. We've got uh, Sherry and Terry who uh, do a ghostly reference that got cut out. Uh, where they tell Bart in the hallway that your dad's going to kill you. (laughs) And then Bart runs away and runs down the hallway. And then his aunt Patty and aunt Selma also twins (laughs) to confirm. Yeah. "Yeah, He's going to kill you. And again, those things are cut for time because you're talking about 22, 23 episode or 23 minute episodes at this point. But, uh, just, I think about this episode quite a bit. I had a uh, a beer bottle opener that talked that someone gave me for a, uh, a a gag gift at something. And it was one of those where when you make the metal contact on the bottle cap, it plays something from The Simpsons. And the thing it played was, no TV, no beer, make home or something, something. Go, Go crazy? crazy? Don't mind if I do! <laughs> I could do the whole thing because I know it by heart at this point. Uh, and it would do that every time you would use it. And it was so long and so annoying. But I eventually the battery died in it and I just happened to use it because I couldn't find my other bottle opener once. And uh, it was the creepiest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> no, it was crazy. Yeah, this I mean, this whole segment, it's, it's super clever. Even if you don't know the movie, which I don't think you said you've seen it, Drew. So this is this is a funny thing. I have still not seen The Shining. And at least at the time that this episode premiered, neither had Simpsons creator Matt Groening. He had not seen The Shining and didn't get the reference. I still haven't seen The Shining, but I know a ton of references from The Shining because of this episode. I'm we're we're gonna have to rectify that at some point this year. I know you recently did uh, some uh, guest spots on a podcast focused on seeing things that you hadn't seen before. So uh, I think in the future we're gonna have to focus a, a theme month where we both talk about things that. Big things like this that we haven't seen before, because I have I have some major gaps in in my uh, pop culture library that would probably surprise some people. Oh. I think I've told you a couple. Well, I might reach out to to wait. You haven't seen Travis uh, TV's Travis to see if you yeah. would like to come on for that. We'll see. Uh, I had a ton of fun on his show do, talking about Dread, Judge Dread, and Dread. Um, yeah, I I only was able to catch the the first one, which was about the Stallone movie, and that was uh, a hoot and a holler. I I really love the uh, Carl Urban film. I think it's a super super fun comic book film all right now miles we can't get distracted now we've got a lot of simpsons to get through yeah yeah i'm sorry <laughs> so the second part of night of the treehouse of horror five is time and punishment where uh homer breaks the toaster and <laughs> one of the f- <laughs> i kept losing my mind laughing because at the start of this, I've I've seen this episode a hundred times. I, the, something about it hit me where this this whole bit starts out with Homer having fixed the toaster and his hand keeps getting caught in it and just you I know, don't know why that makes me laugh so much. Well, but what's funny just, is watching these again. It wasn't the big moments because I'd seen them a million times. That made me laugh. It was all these, because some of these I hadn't seen in 15, 20 years, a lot of these little small moments that the Simpsons have been so good at creating, these little small moments of humor, of these little like ellipses to the situation. And those are what kill me the most. It's usually someone in the background saying something or a stinger, not the actual big, you know, 
Homer joke itself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but t- so so Homer ends up fixing the toaster with a bunch of extra stuff and suddenly realizes that he's created a time machine and he keeps going back to this one particular moment in the past, <laughs> back, back before they put dinosaurs in zoos, which is a nice Jurassic Park reference. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and basically keeps going back, trying not apparently. <laughs> again, one of the funniest things in this episode, I got to remember the advice my dad gave me on my wedding day. If you ever go back in time, don't touch anything. <laughs> Just talking about it, the, the butterfly effect is very, very it's, funny. It's a really fun. I mean, just because the creative things they do every single time Homer pops back into what he thinks is the present. And I think the best is the the raining donuts gag. So, oh, so, so we should go through the first time they go back. It's the Ned Flanders dystopia. Uh, which they use quite a bit, I feel like. Well, so, so Ned Flanders was the devil in a previous uh, Treehouse of Horror because it's always the ones you least expect and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so he does that. He goes to, uh, he sneezes on a dinosaur and causes their extinction. And then he goes back to this wonderful, like, let's drive the Lexus to Patty and Selma's funeral. Oh, we've got the diamonds. Everybody's super rich and da 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 and then Marge oh, past the donuts. <laughs> what's a donut? And Homer freaks out and leaves and goes back in time. And then of course it starts raining again and the rain is donuts. So what a fun, funny yeah, thing. I I just I really enjoy I enjoy these ones because I think the people sometimes think that the Treehouse of Horror is specifically supposed to just do uh horror related things and not just these kind of Twilight Zone riffs for sure and i i really enjoy the stuff like this like the the piece you were talking about where homer sells his soul to the devil that is one of my favorite bits it's from treehouse of horror part four nope or just four i think you're getting things confused bart sells his soul to the devil and that's not a treehouse of horror no no no, no. homer sells his soul to the devil for a donut in treehouse of horror right he does man they've they've gone back to that well simpsons did it simpsons did it (laughs) and uh, my favorite bit is like they can't torture him because they try to do the ironic um, punishments <laughs> and Homer just eats all of hell's donuts. It's great. <laughs> I, I, I love I love stuff like that. I love stuff like time and punishment. And even uh, the next segment, Nightmare Cafeteria, is it's a little bit more in the kind of horror genre vein, but it's. It almost reminds me of those kind of uh, what's the guy's name? Is it Bruce Neville? Like that wasn't quite R.L. Stein type of stuff, but very much like a Goosebumps esque story. Yeah. Well, so let's let's go ahead and fast forward to, to Nightmare Cafeteria the third uh, be- before we have actually a little coda at the end of this. Um, Nightmare Cafeteria. Principal Skinner is is over detention is overcrowded and because of budget cuts they can't they don't have good food in the cafeteria so he and lunch lady doris uh decide to start killing and eating the children of detention they start with jimbo they move to uter the the german kid (laughs) see there's a lot of uter in all of us You could say that we might have eaten him right now. (laughs) Uh, And basically kind of goes through that to where uh, this is one of the the, the most interesting ones as they go through. uh, Because, spoiler warning, they don't don't survive it. They, they They all get pushed into the giant food processor at the end to which Bart wakes up from the dream and... 
Oh no, the fog seeping in again. The fog that turns people inside out. And they <laughs> they all turn inside out and they sing one singular sensation. Uh, that, that one singular sensation, except about the fog. Uh, and it's a very odd, interesting, bloody, gory mess. And that's one thing the Simpsons never really shied away from is, is it, I would never say it was gratuitously violent, but whenever there needed to be any sort of violence or blood, like itchy and scratchy and stuff, it would never shy away from it. And I always thought that was interesting. I mean, and, and also, it, it that's why a lot of parents were concerned about it. So it's interesting about this because this episode in particular has been re-rated in syndication. Most episodes of The Simpsons get put into the TVG, or not TVG, TVPG category, but this one typically gets in TV14 or higher because of the the violent content in it. They've even edited out some of Lunch Lady Doris's blood on her apron from when she's killing students in, in some of the syndicated versions. Uh, and of course, you've got the whole bodies turning inside out, which was kind of disturbing, even like I knew it was going to happen, but it's like, uh, ooh, that's the sound effect that happens when it when it does it. It's something that's very uncharacteristic of The Simpsons. And uh, I also want to point out that this, that Nightmare Cafeteria and the coda part of it were both written by David Cohen, also known as David X. Cohen, who would go on to be the head writer and executive producer for Futurama. This was his first writing credit on The Simpsons. What well, also shows what big nerds a lot of the writers are, because... At the time, Nightmare Cafe, which was a NBC kind of sci-fi horror show, had been off the air for a couple years, and it's not one that it's it's very obscure. There was only six episodes made, and it didn't do super well. But genre fans tend to have very long memories, and so it's it tickles me that like somebody thought, oh, we're gonna we're gonna make a little reference to this this show that no one remembers. Yeah, had no idea about any reference to that. That's pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, it was uh, created by Wes Craven. I mean, I can go. <laughs> on, we don't on need, we don't need obscure to do horror shows, but yeah, we have enough Simpsons episodes to talk about. To so speaking of, so that's Treehouse of Horror Five, one of the best episodes of The Simpsons, the best Treehouse of Horror episode, and notable for. A number of reasons. This is also uh, Groundskeeper Willie shows up in every section and then immediately gets killed with an axe in the back. <laughs> it's the recurring joke and of this is, the episode. And is, this is the only one to feature such a recurring joke. So, hmm. yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Maggie killing him and then speaking with James Earl Jones's voice. <laughs> this is a truly disturbing dimension. I, I really enjoyed that. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Uh, so let's move on to a particularly notable episode for me, Drew. Uh, ep- season 6, episode 12, Homer the Great. Uh, from January 8th of 1995, the first episode shown in 1995, written by John Schwartzwelder, who is a name you're going to hear a lot in this episode. And, uh, well, features a very notable guest star, for your old pal Drew, and me. <laughs> so you gotta understand, uh, uh, this is at peak Star Trek fandom and peak Simpsons fandom. And when those two crossed over, I couldn't handle it. So Homer 
is uh, realizing that he's seeing that his a couple of his friends are maybe getting some special treatment, and he doesn't exactly understand why until he does one of the most clever things I have ever seen Homer do uh, in following them secretly. It was overly clever for Homer. Yeah. <laughs> In uh, in that he follows them and finds out that that Lenny and Carl, his coworkers and and beer buddies, are members of the Stone Cutters, a an, an ancient secret organization that is, of course, definitely referencing the Freemasons and Skull and Bones and all sorts of other secret societies in the world, and, and uh, ends up joining, uh, and and we meet the leader of the Springfield chapter of the Stonecutters, number one, voiced by one Patrick Stewart, Captain Jean-Luc Picard himself. You know, what's funny about this is, I because I, I did know prior research before watching the episodes themselves, because I wanted to kind of just experience them again for the first time, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I had forgotten this was the episode that Patrick Stewart was in. And so when I hear his voice, especially because I finally was able to watch the finale of Picard, I kind of had Stewart on, on the brain. So like I immediately just like, that's Patrick Stewart. <laughs> and I mean, it was, it's just the way that, that the Simpsons have always on their cameos are usually such a treat anyway, but in one that where he's not playing himself and he's he's actually playing a character, which you do see sometimes. You have Phil Hartman's, obviously, his famous Troy McClure and a couple others. But a lot of times the special guests are usually playing themselves. Yeah, it was so cool because, I mean, Stuart knew what he was doing and he hands it up to the perfect amount. The 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 producers of the show at the time have called Stuart one of the greatest guest performances of all time because he was just committed to the character and you can hear it in the performance. Oh, he's, yeah. he's selling it because he is an actor well, and, and even and that's yeah. <laughs> and he, he sells the jokes, especially the crossing the deserts, the, <laughs> the, uh, I, I should have written down on all these, uh, and, the, the one eyed or followed, follow the, the land of the blind or something like that. It was, it was some, some sort of, uh, gag and of course the paddling of the swollen ass <laughs> with paddles <laughs> i mean I, I Stuart also feels that he says i think my my appearance in the simpsons and an appearance that i did on sesame street in praise of the letter b were perhaps the two most distinguished bits of work i've done in the u.s <laughs> like and keep in mind star trek was in the u.s i mean <laughs> yeah so I like mean, he thinks his 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 appearances on those two shows and this one in particular is some of the best work he's ever done on television. And I mean, obviously it's not like this, you know, pristine, like it's, it's, sure. it's jokes, but it's sure. done so well. And it's done with such the right amount. It's never, he overdoes it on purpose, but he does it with affection and you can tell that. And that to me sells the episode because he's just really getting involved with making this fun. Absolutely. And so, so to continue with the story of this episode, again, all of these are on Disney Plus. Go watch them. They're fantastic. Uh, Homer does something very terrible and gets kicked out of the stonecutters. But as they are in the process of kicking him out, they rip off all his clothes to make him walk home in shame, nude. But then they discover a birthmark, a birthmark that matches the stonecutters symbol. He's the chosen one and therefore becomes the leader of the stonecutters. 
it's it's wonderful. And in true Homer fashion, he screws it up out outrageously. He screws it up by by again. This is one of those things that I like how they turn it on its head because Homer likes being a stonecutter because all they do is party and drink beer and have fun. And once he becomes the 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 chosen one of the stonecutters, they do that for a while, and they're and, but but they're all letting him win the poker games and pool, and he's getting a little bored of it. And he talks to Lisa, who he goes for to advice or, or to get advice, and she convinces him to try to use the power of the stonecutters to to do something good in the world, to help people. And the more he does that, the more the stonecutters who just wanted to go back to partying just uh, start to dislike him more and more until they decide to just all quit the stonecutters and join a callback to the first part of the episode, the No Homers Club. <laughs> but you have Homer Lumpkin. It's No Homers. That, that's, it's, a, it's a great game. We're allowed I, to have I one. I love the bit where... Uh, <laughs> Where Lenny gets to uh, lord over Montgomery Burns because his number is higher in this particular club. Yeah, because it's all in the order that you joined. And uh, again, this one—I uh, can't remember why I said this one should be on the list for for the stuff, but uh, uh, I can I can tell you social distancing because they all wanted to social distance from Homer at the end. <laughs> Okay, I, I was I was about to ask you about that because I, I was like, where where is the social distancing here? Because you, like I said, if you just wanted to watch Homer the Great, I'm down with that because that that's a reach, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> there there were a couple of these where I was like, okay, I see what Drew's talking about, and then there there were most of them I was like, just, just say you want to watch the episode. Yeah, well, so so that's going to be uh, in a couple of episodes here. Let's move on to season seven, episode seven. King Size Homer, November 5th, 1995, written by Dan Greeney. King Size Homer follows Homer as he, a lot of my episodes are Homer focused. Uh, I, although I'm, I'm actually probably closer to Lisa's age. I always identified with Homer for some reason. He kind of became the star of the show at a certain point uh, in this era. And uh, I'm okay with it. Uh, but Homer, tired of going to work and Real and doing the calisthenics program that Mr. Burns has <laughs> set up, uh, d- tries to get on disability uh, so that he can work from home because of workers' compensation. So, and this is why you chose this episode is because some of us are working from home. Yeah, uh, and of course Homer does it in his own way. He tries to get injured and decides after almost getting killed that was probably not a good thing to do. He decides to try to get extremely fat because that was on the list of disabilities in a book that he read. And so he goes through a number of of just fantastic weight gain processes by talking to, of course, after Dr. Hibbert refuses to help him, he goes to Dr. Nick Riviera. Hi, Dr. Nick. Uh, With one of the best pieces of advice for weight gain I've ever heard. Uh, if you ever worry if something's not healthy for you, just rub it on a piece of paper. <laughs> and if the paper turns yes. clear, it's your window to weight gain. I love that line. It is, again, just killing it on this for me. 
and and Doctor Nip pops up in a couple episodes that we watched. He was he's a uh, an occasional recurring character, but he just happened to to pop up a couple times in the episodes that we watched this week. Yeah, he's he's a Hank Azaria character who so Hank Azaria voices most of the characters on it uh he he initially showed up in infomercials uh on that were just played kind of in the background um right uh, of things and uh and just kind of eventually kind of came came into the show i i didn't look up what his first episode was where he kind of appeared as a as an actual character and not just somebody on tv but um i want to say he probably appeared in some troy mcclure infomercials as well like he was kind of Troy McClure's dude that always had a doctor. Anyway, this is not the most interesting part of this. Uh, the most interesting part is really when Homer starts working from home because he does what I always imagined I would do if I could work from home. He does really great the first couple of days, and then he gets distracted by everything. He, decide, yep. <laughs> he decides to go see a movie and this is all, of course, layered in with with stuff that because he's now super fat, he's wearing a muumuu, uh, he's wearing capes and <laughs> and other things, and and just funny visual gags. And he can't go see the movie <laughs> because he won't fit in the seats anymore because he's too fat. So he has to, and so of course because he has left this little like drinking bird toy, one of those things that like dips and bops up and dips and bops up to hit the key on the keyboard, which is all he has to George Jetson do for his job. Uh, that thing has fallen over and almost caused a nuclear meltdown. <laughs> uh, so th- this one, I definitely feel like you kind of picked because it is a little more prescient for, for the time period. Um, I, it's a fun episode. It's probably not out of the ones that we watched. It was probably my, my, I would say my least favorite of these seven, which is not saying anything bad about the episode itself, because these are all stellar examples of the Simpsons. It's still one of the top 25 Simpsons episodes, in my opinion. And top 25 doesn't sound like it's that great. But when you have 700 of something, top 25 is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I'd have to really think on it to, for where, where we're less. I mean, it's definitely a, a very funny episode, especially the, I think the, the latter half, the Simpsons in general tends to, a lot of the episodes will start the first three minutes, a very specific story. And then the rest of the episode veers off completely from where you thought it was going. Yes. Uh, And uh, this does have one of my favorite gags in the Simpsons. Uh, when Homer is trying to <laughs> trying to race down or, or track down a car to go and save the power plant and save the city from being destroyed in a nuclear meltdown. <laughs> and the car he's able to get to stop is an ice cream truck. <laughs> and yeah. I, I want to say the, the driver in the ice cream truck <laughs> was warned about this potentially happening at some point in his life. And like, cause of course a giant fat guy would be the one to, to steal his ice cream truck. Right. Very, very funny gag. Uh, Empire magazine actually uh, called this the best of the series. Now that was from a decade and a half ago now when they did that. Uh, I would not. I mean, like I said, I don't want to make it sound like I didn't like the episode. I think the episode is funny, but in terms of like 
how funny it was compared to the other ones that we watched for this particular episode. I mean, I, like I said, I think it's good. I just don't think it has the same cleverness and the same deliveries that these other ones did. It, it, it's definitely prescient for what a lot of people are going through or just even being contained uh, at the home. Yeah. But I, I mean, like I said, I, I think I think it is funny. But in terms of The Simpsons, I the, that bar is so high. I mean, like it's 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 mid, mid ground for me. Yeah, and it is interesting to go into some of the writing aspect of this, that the writer said that they were trying to keep what was happening with Homer positive, just for for the sake of the story, not that what he was doing was actually good. So they purposefully left most of the, the, thing, most of the times that he was eating off screen, so kind of gained weight between scenes, not in scenes. Well, it also and, made the humor work better, I think. Sure, because it wouldn't have done that otherwise, and obviously you know that they have to... <laughs> they have to do something to get to get the the story to go through and we're not we're not supposed to like that homer is doing this and right but again, i also love that he's wearing that what's eating gilbert great dress <laughs> yeah the moo that which i only just learned how you actually pronounce or spell that uh m-u-u-m-u-u so uh yeah um let's move on we're gonna jump in, uh, jump another season Take another year, actually almost a year to the day. Season 8, Episode 2, airing on November 3rd of 1996. You Only Move Twice. Written by John Schwartzwelder. A, a... Lost my notes there for a second. The Globex, oh. <laughs> the Globex Corporation uh, is trying to recruit for a nuclear project and they initially tried to go to smithers but smithers uh loves working for mr burns and dismisses them casually saying ha, what kind of a country is this where i just ha- where I can't even walk to work without getting offered a job uh one of the best lines in this episode and it's right at the beginning <laughs> that 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 one definitely did stand out to me <laughs> but uh uh, but the, so then Globex decides they're going to go after the next top man at the plant, the next person with the most experience. And that just happens to be our good pal, Homer. Uh, Homer is hired by Globex to move to, to, uh, oh, where was it? I lost it in my notes. Cypress Creek. Cypress Creek. Which wh- is great. Which is a, a takeoff on Silicon Valley uh, to work for Hank Scorpio and the Globex Corporation. <laughs> I I love everything about this because they do a great job of really not letting you know the 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 ongoing joke that is going to be coming. But they also let you know that Homer absolutely knows what's going on. And that's the one thing that I think I like most about this episode. So the Simpsons family gets up and moves to Cypress Creek uh, for bigger and better things. Homer is put in charge of the 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 power process, and he's <laughs> like, "Go put you know." We're we're gonna get to Hank Scorpio. I have a lot to say about Hank oh, Scorpio. God, Hank Scorpio is great. Uh, I you say that he knows what's going on. I would argue that he might know what's going on in the moment, but I don't think he knows what's going on. So, well, we'll we'll get to that because of a particular line that. <laughs> 
<laughs> that Homer says that I, always sticks out to me that I think is very funny. So Hank Scorpio is voiced by Albert Brooks, comedian Albert Brooks. Uh, Nemo's dad, Marlon, in Finding Nemo is how most people that are going to know who he is, I would assume. He worked on Saturday Night Live. He worked on a number of things. He's been on The Simpsons a dozen times. And if Hank, you're over the age of 30, you probably know who Albert Brooks is. Yes. Uh, so so Hank Scorpio is <laughs> he's this he's a takeoff on the kind of startup Silicon Valley CEO that was happening. Uh, he doesn't want to be called. So so uh, <laughs> again, I'm going to laugh too much. Spoiler warning, this may be my favorite episode of The Simpsons ever. It's 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 definitely up there for me. It it would be in my top ten for sure. Uh, it, it's it's top five at least for me. And again, when you have seven hundred or something, top five is really good. So uh, Hank Scorpio talks very fast. He talks a lot, and uh, Homer responds to him, "Yes, Mister Scorpion." Uh, no, Homer, don't call me that. Uh, it's it's not my name. Scorpio is my name, but don't call me that either. Call me Hank. And that's just such a a a feeling about what this character is. He's, he cares about his people in the way that like, he's very energetic. He's very talkative. He's very, very positive about everything. And, and to Homer, like, Homer, if you want this, you just let me know. It'll be in your house tomorrow. Da, 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 that sort of thing. And then he's like Mr. Denim and it crowd. Yeah. And then you find out that he's a super villain. <laughs> he's got a doomsday device and he's willing to to blow up <laughs> things with the either of- France or Italy. Nobody ever says <laughs> nobody ever says Italy. Well, what's great about that is it's it's not supposed to be a big reveal. It's just casually shown as the camera's moving while Homer's looking for some sugar and hope Homer's not phased by any of this. Like the, the this giant laser with uh in the in the mountain. Like he, he he's just he he's wanting some sugar and and then one of my favorite bits is hank has some and he just starts <laughs> shoving his hands into his pockets and then free dropping sugar <laughs> because he doesn't believe in packets i think yeah, i don't believe in packets that's so again, and then that's then follows up <laughs> do you want some cream that that line no. was cut out of the syndicated version of the show by the way the do you want some cream line oh not, was it not in the syndicated version it is in the disney plus version but so this is the thing about about Albert Brooks in a lot of things, but especially as Hank Scorpio, he improvised a lot in these takes. Now, The Simpsons is one of those shows, much like Futurama, where they do a lot of recording with people in the same room. So there is a one very famous moment that they are in, <laughs> they're talking about uh, hammocks. And there's a whole hammock conversation <laughs> because Homer thinks that his that his workers would be uh, would be able to work harder if they if they could rest a little more and to get hammocks. And there's this whole like oh the hammock hutch the da 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 and to, from from the way that this story is told by by people that were there is that Albert Brooks improvised so much of this and Dan Castellaneta who voices Homer just tried to keep up and couldn't, which is why he doesn't talk much in that or, or kind of just responds like, yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yes. And then <laughs> because what apparently to, to Castellaneta, they would do a take and then he'd be like, all right, I've got something for this. And they'd take another take 
and Albert Brooks would say completely different lines. <laughs> and supposedly, just Brooks's takes of audio for this episode are over two hours long. Now, when do you think this is a 20-minute, 23-minute episode? And he's not in every scene. And even the scenes he's in, you're talking about maybe 45 seconds of actual lines if you strung them all together. That is a lot of takes. And yeah. so you got to expect the, the sugar, I don't believe in packets. Just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And everything moment. about the way the comedy is presented in this episode just works for me. Being a fan of Bond movies and having someone as, like, just as, I don't want to say innocent, but as clueless as Homer is at the head of this this organization uh, or, or of their, you know, the, the, the nuclear motivational uh, manager just it, it it works so beautifully and i love the fact when he actually tackles the bond character as he's trying to get the vending machine to take his his money <laughs> and then as off screen you hear the gunshots it's just mwah, chef's kiss perfect moment. oh no in the in the disney plus version they show them shooting him oh do they i can't remember yeah uh, but so anyway but again this is all what's happening to homer and we're gonna get back to homer in a second because part of this episode is that homer is finally happy. He has the boss he's always wanted that believes in him, that that backs him up. He's good at his job for the first time. They're way ahead of the chemical weapons division, which is a line that Homer says in the show, which is why I think he knows more about what's going on, but he's just so caught up in everything that he doesn't mind. <laughs> he doesn't care. Uh, but we have to talk about what's happening with the rest of The Simpsons, because this is also the other half of this episode, and I think where a lot of the great comedy comes into play, you've got Lisa, who is finally in a place that is beautiful, that has nature, that has that that has a school that will challenge her, and she goes out to see uh, a chipmunk. You're a northern reticulated chipmunk. Yes, you are. You're so reticulated. I can quote this episode for hours. This is going to be a long episode. We're almost at an hour as I'm saying this right now. Uh, oh, wow. But... <laughs> But then, of course, Lisa gets struck with allergies. She's allergic to it. She can't be there and therefore becomes miserable. Marge is a homemaker. She's in the home most of the time, but the fancy home that they are that they are now living in has an auto vac, a Roomba years before the Roomba exists, an auto cleaning stove. Uh, she she's done with what she would normally do in the day after twenty minutes. And she turns to drinking wine in the middle of the day, which was something that they were hesitant to do. They didn't want to show Marge becoming an alcoholic. Well, and you can tell because she's unhappy with drinking wine. She even has a line where she's like, I can't even get through a glass. Yeah, exactly. Which is just, she's not, she's not even good at being an alcoholic. Uh, and of course, there is Bart. Uh, Bart, who uh, still doesn't know cursive after he... Uh, after that was a joke a couple of seasons ago uh, and, and therefore can't keep up in a class that he thinks he's actually going to fit in with too. And is sent to the leg up program. <laughs> I need to look up the leg up program kids names because they are all visually and auditorially based on Ralph Wiggum. I know there is, a I, 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 I think I, I read that, but they, they said the kids look too troubled. Well, so but that's the thing. Like they're they're not. None of them are are like 
they're not what you would expect. They're not special ed. It's not that no, kind of situation. That, I, I feel like that segment is fairly dark. It's, it's super dark. They all have circles of paper. Uh, the one, kid, the one. Kid, I start fires. I start fires. It's 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 some it's some wild stuff. Gordy and Dot, I know, are the two are two of them. Uh, just the names of these kids. The one kid who's just Canadian. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I and I guess because that joke seemed to happen in a couple episodes because I was watching just random episodes of Simpsons. That one comes up quite a bit. The Canadian gags. Yeah, uh, but again, 1996. We are like 20 years away from that at this point. But uh, and of course, so he's not happy because he's he's not being challenged. He's he's in this class, and and so they have to say goodbye and. Uh, and Homer has to go in and apologize for for leaving. And this is where I think the Hank Scorpio character just really solidifies himself as one of the best Simpsons guest characters of all time. In the middle of his compound being invaded by the U.S. Army, <laughs> you see this lady who is uh, uh, using her her thighs to to choke General Schwarzkopf of the U.S. Army, or a guy that looks a lot like him. Uh, <laughs> Hank Scorpio has a very heartfelt conversation about how he needs to to do what's best for his family, and that he's going to miss him, and that if there's anything that he can ever do for him. Uh, let him know, give him a call, and that none of this was possible without him. And they have this kind of heartfelt goodbye. And Homer, if on your way out, he could kill somebody, that'd really help me out. <laughs> it's such a great delivery. It's, it, it, is, it is a fantastic episode that is bookended with the last moment uh, and again we we didn't set up we didn't set up in the <laughs> oh, beginning we didn't that, set this up <laughs> didn't set up in the beginning that homer has talked about how he's made fun of for his dream which is to own the dallas cowboys <laughs> and and how homer at the end as a gift from hank scorpio is gifted oh the denver broncos <laughs> And he's disappointed, and Marge, oh, the Denver Broncos, it's a good start. Uh, you just don't understand football. <laughs> Which, this is all very funny, because keep in mind, this is 1996. The Denver Broncos not having a good season in 1996. But in real life, the Denver Broncos would win back-to-back Super Bowls in 1998 right. and 1999. Not that far after that. But uh, it's... There's so much to dive into with this episode. We could do an entire hour and a half on You Only Move Twice. I want to move on. It's a fantastic episode. It's probably my favorite episode. But I think the next episode is one we're going to have equally a lot to talk about, not necessarily because of the content of the episode itself, but because of a lot of stuff that comes around this episode and its placement in Simpsons history and in animation history. And that is Season 8, Episode 14, not that long after, from February 9th of 1997, The Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie Show, written by David X. Cohen. What I really love about this episode is how it sort of lampoons studio cluelessness throughout the 90s. Throughout today, this episode well, is... It's gone on to today, but but specifically in that era where it's like, oh, let's show this this edgy 90s, like, cartoon hip-hop 
thing to prove that we're modern and it and, and let's put it in something that's been around for a while. So so to set this episode up, the Itchy and Scratchy show, which is the longtime in show show that's a part of the Krusty the Clown show about the super violent cat and mouse Itchy and Scratchy as they murder each other is just not getting the ratings that it used to get. So Krusty's upset because it's killing his show ratings. So he he goes to to the the animation offices and they make the decision to do what a number of shows have done over the years to add a new character to the show to spice things up. And that character is Poochie, a radical talking dog with a backwards baseball cap, loose fitting clothes, sunglasses and nunchucks that ends up being voiced by Homer in a, in a, I just, it reminds me of so many things that happened in the nineties specifically where this new character was created. It happened a lot in comics and it was done in such a clueless fashion by a studio edict of, Oh, let's do this to prove that we're modern and hip. And it takes all the wrong clues from pop culture. And the, the fact that they were able to lampoon this so perfectly with the Poochie character is is great and that's not all because in this episode there is also randomly a character named roy that is living with the simpsons who calls them mr and mrs s and all this stuff who looks a lot like poochie he's wearing sunglasses he's got a backwards hat he wears baggy clothes with a t-shirt uh no nonchance yeah it's, it's kind of like a, the, the mirror joke but again, this and, and the whole so so this whole episode is about that and how the first episode airs of Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie, and it's terrible and nobody likes it and it becomes this whole thing and the and the the episodes are worse than ever. This is also the origin of the comic book guy's catchphrase, worst episode ever. And I love that when he, when he does that, Bart confronts him about it and makes an argument that I have seen more recently of people doing on Twitter uh, and, and against other fandoms. Of course, The Simpsons did it uh, 20 years earlier, 23 years earlier. But uh, Bart goes, hey, I know it wasn't that great, but what right do you have to complain? And the comic book guy goes, well, as a viewer, I feel they owe me. They've given Bart you thousands says, of hours of entertainment for free. What could they possibly owe you? If anything, you owe them. And that's that's what I loved about it. Because then then it's just back to worst episode ever, which is the exact conversations that happen on an hourly basis uh, about just choose a fandom so, and again, on, on Twitter. And, and it's it's perfect. And this is where that this is, again, part of that self-referential part of the show that worst episode ever catchphrase came about for the comic book guy because of conversations that were happening on the alt.tv.simpsons news group on the internet oh news groups it was and the fact that it is still as relevant today in 2020 as it was in 1997 is saying something about the internet and pop culture and part of the reason that I wanted to include it here, this episode is referential of so, ma so many things. Because again, we're talking about 
Poochie being added to the show. Numerous, like we we have a whole cavalcade of characters that have been added to 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 shows to keep them fresh. This is season eight of the show. This episode was created in response to network executives at the beginning of the season telling them to add a new character to live with the Simpsons to keep things fresh. Now, they had Roy already created because they were initially going to have Roy show up in the Time and Punishment episode in Treehouse of Horror 5. One of the time frame, time, the alternate timelines that Homer goes to, he would have a teenage son named Roy who would look and act like that. They changed that, obviously, a little bit. It's a couple of years later. They just had the character design. So they, they, I wish they had kept that just just because that that would make this joke even funnier. Yes, they made they made Roy kind of a combination of Fonzie and Jack Tripper, and they based his appearance off of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character from Growing Pains, uh, who was again one of those characters that, that got added in the in the late in the run, uh, and, and of course there's a Scrappy Doo connection with 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 all of this stuff. And, and 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 that's where I feel this, like the the only classic show to pull pull off this sort of thing and do it where people didn't hate it as much was Snoopy with his little Joe Cool line because <laughs> all it is was add, add add some shades. So the other thing that's going on in this episode and something that's very important in animation history is that we're talking about the eighth episode of excuse me the eighth season of The Simpsons. Things might be getting stale. This was all about keeping this whole episode is about keeping a show fresh that's been on the air forever. Haha, <laughs> funny that we're now in season 31 or 32 of Lost Count at this point. But this particular episode is the 167th episode of The Simpsons. The previous record holder for animated series was 166, The Flintstones. This episode marks the new longest-running animated series record. A record that The the Simpsons has carried since then. Yeah, and I mean, this is kind of why I mentioned The Flintstones at the top of the show, was because The Flintstones, like The Simpsons, was a long-running primetime animated series. The Flintstones was just seen as, like any other sitcom, it was just a cartoon. It was not necessarily a kid's show when it aired. Yeah, and now it became that. It's it moved from sure, prime time absolutely. pretty quickly, but but and again, that was the thing. The the, the difference. I mean, it's based on the honeymooners. You know, it was uh, actually to the point where uh, Jackie Gleason, the creator of the honeymoon, uh, the creator of the honeymooners, actually considered suing Hanna Barbera, but decided he didn't he didn't want to be known as the guy who yanked Fred Flintstone off the air. <laughs> Funny that it's it's funny. This episode has actually I don't think ha- does not have its own unique uh, title card. You know how they do the the couch gag sequence. I thought that, that was the one with the Sergeant Pepper thing. It did, and uh, I don't know if that was the first time it was used. I feel like that's not the first time. But in syndication, they don't use the, the Sergeant Pepper's one. They actually use the Flintstones reference one, which is funny. oh really? Huh. So uh, so maybe that's what I'm getting confused with. Anyway. Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show number of tremendous references. Again, they do a lot of reference to cartoonists. And of course, all the cartoonists and writers are based on the actual Simpsons writers at the time. <laughs> so 
Yeah, and this is one of those episodes where it's it's a good it's a good academic episode. It's not the funniest episode. I I would say by far. Yeah, I would agree with that. But it's um, but it's, it's a good episode. I think it's it's an important episode. It's saying something. It's not unfunny, but it's it's focused more on the stuff it's doing than the humor it's producing. Yeah. If you like. I would agree with that. So let's move on to our second to last pick. Season 8, episode 23, originally airing on May 4th, 1997, once again, written by John Schwartzwelder, Homer's Enemy. This is an episode. It's, yeah, it's, it's, I actually really like this episode, but it's, it's super, super dark. (laughs) This is, this is probably the darkest episode of The Simpsons. It is very controversial there are simpsons writers and creators that love this episode matt graining creator of the simpsons calls it his sixth best sixth favorite episode of all time and there's one of the simpsons creators that hates it and puts it in his bottom two so i can see that because this 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 episode it it's unlike a lot of simpsons episodes there there's a lot of moving pieces that feel very familiar but because it sticks to this very, I don't even want to say dry, but it plays the the Frank Grimes character uh, character that that is Homer's enemy. He's the namesake of this of this episode. It plays it so straight to the end. There's no real joke at the end. It it plays it straight, and that's weird. And, for, and but for the it, show to do. But it still gets you laughing. And th- so this is Oh, the thing. it does. So let's let's set this episode up. So Homer uh, is introduced to his new coworker, uh, a person named Frank Grimes. If Grimes is uh, has had a very difficult life, he he had a hard upbringing and then he got uh, crushed in a was like a corn silo accident and while he was laid up in bed in a full body cast. He studied nuclear physics and got his degree so that he could finally do something with his life. And he goes and he works for the nuclear, the the Springfield nuclear power plant after uh, Mr. Burns sees his story on TV and then immediately forgets it the next day as he's gotten distracted by a dog (laughs) and is just thrown into sector seven G with Homer uh, who has basically coasted through life to to Frank's uh, consternation. And Frank Grimes is a very intelligent person. He's a very straightforward person. He's a very, very hardworking person. All things that when you look at that by with, with old Grimey isolated would all make him the hero of the story. But what happens... When that hero of that story, this this all-American, gung-ho, scrape-for-everything-he-gets person is put in close proximity with Homer Simpson. And that's what this episode is. Yeah, and I, I, that's why I like it. And that's basically what, what um, uh, Josh Weinstein said. He basically said, what if a real-life normal person had to enter Homer's universe and deal with him? I know this episode is controversial and divisive, but I just love it. It really feels what would happen if a real, somewhat humorless human had to deal with Homer. There was some talk 
about the ending. We just did that because one, it's really funny and shocking. And two, we like the lesson of sometimes you just can't win. The whole <laughs> Frank Grimes episode is a study in frustration and hence Homer has the last laugh. And three, we want to show that in real life, being Homer Simpson could be really dangerous and life-threatening as Frank Grimes sadly learned. So this whole episode revolves around Frank Grimes hating Homer for good reason. Imagine if you were forced to work next to Homer. He does nothing. He makes mistakes. He endangers everyone. And Grimes can't see why people let him get away with it. Lenny and Carl just say, oh, that's Homer. That's Homer. Uh, that's Homer. Uh, what, do you got, what do you got against Homer? And the funny part of this episode is that most of this episode revolves around Homer trying to befriend Frank and trying to, to get him to like him because that's he feels wh- bullied by him. Yeah, that's that's where the comedy comes in is the complete misunderstanding on Homer's part because he just he just wants this guy to like him. Like, he, he, in his mind, nothing is going wrong, but this guy just doesn't like him. And and it just, it culminates in this in this wonderful scene where Homer actually ju- actually has, unlike so many other episodes where Homer has been the person who hasn't liked someone, Homer wants Grimes to like him, and he invites him over to dinner for this lobster dinner, and... Well, keep in mind, he didn't tell he was inviting him over for dinner. He just said he had something really important to tell him. <laughs> yes, that is a very – because he wanted to surprise him with this nice, fun thing. Because, of course, you know, who wouldn't want to be surprised with a lobster dinner? But since since Grimes doesn't like Homer, he comes in ready to be annoyed and is then shocked at how big Homer's house is and how amazing Homer's family is. And then – and then he's looking around and he sees a picture of Homer in space and a picture of Homer with uh, with the, the smashing, smashing pumpkins. pumpkins and all, all of these things, things that have happened, that have happened in, in, in the, the series. <laughs> and then Homer's like, do you want to see my Grammy? Because Homer has a Grammy, let's not forget, uh, for the B-sharps. And, and Grimes loses it and all of a sudden smells lobster and storms out. <laughs> and it's... It's just one of those moments that I, like, nothing can possibly go right here. And, and it's very, very interesting. And I want to credit Hank Azaria. So Hank Azaria is a longtime Simpsons uh, guest actor, supporting actor. He is uh, Chief Wiggum. He's, well, he was a poo. That might not be happening anymore in the next season. Uh, he He's uh, Snake, the uh, the the... <laughs> The, the bad guy, so many characters, uh, Hank Azaria voices. And they chose, instead of getting a guest voice to do Frank Grimes, because they figured the person who plays Grimes needs to be a little more invested in what's happening. They need to have some history with the show in order to understand why these things are important and amazing and crazy and infuri- infuriating. And Hank Azaria plays this so straight and so serious like you really get the emotional moments that that grimes is going through to where that's part of why i really love the the this implication of the character in fact grimes regularly tops top simpsons guest character polls even though he's only in one episode because he dies at the end of this episode and it is brutal (laughs) 
Yeah. So Grimes tries to play a trick on Homer to show everybody else how stupid Homer is by taking this design your own nuclear power plant uh, contest for children. And he cuts out all these things so that it just looks like a contest and tells Homer to enter. And Homer enters with a nuclear power plant with a racing stripe and some aerodynamic fins and ends up winning the contest. And Grimes is... <laughs> it looks sharp. <laughs> and Grimes is furious because of course you would be if that was you, if this plan that you had made to make somebody look foolish didn't work and just made them look even better. And he goes on this huge tirade about all the stuff, oh, if Homer can do this, if Homer can do that, all this these dangerous things ending up on this super electrified cables that have warning signs all over them. Oh, and if Homer Simpson can do that, and he reaches out and, and to grab those cables and it cuts away. And the next scene, we are at Grimes funeral. Grimey, as he was, as he liked to be called, which he didn't like to be called. He did not like it at all. That's what Homer called him. And, and in the, in this moment when you're like, Oh man, this has been a rough episode. And we're, we're at this funeral. Everybody's dressed in black and, and all of this. Homer has fallen asleep and talks in his sleep in this funny line. And the episode ends with <laughs> everybody laughing. That's our Homer. <laughs> and and then just... once that is said, the the uh, coffin starts lowering down as if <laughs> in shame. It is extremely dark, but also... Deeply, deeply funny on a very dark level. To it, me. it is, and it's and it's offset by this weird B plot of of Bart buying a warehouse for a dollar at a uh, police auction, that, which I thought was funny, but then it kind of just goes nowhere. <laughs> that B plot does nothing and goes nowhere because it was only there to give some more levity yeah. to the rest of what's going on in this episode. And uh, yeah, because I mean, like literally nothing happens except the building just ends up falling down. But like, I just, I liked parts of like the, 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 a lot of the humor in those scenes worked for me, but yeah, it, it just, it, it goes nowhere and it serves purely just to soften some of the sting of this surprisingly serious episode. And not that the Simpsons hasn't had serious episodes in its 30 year run, but this was one that stands out because it's just very dark for sure and, and hank azaria based the character of frank grimes off of william h macy uh could, he said they couldn't quite get the vocal match because he just couldn't do it but that the way he wanted to to evoke some sort of william h macy characterization in in it and and i think i think it comes across really well uh, again this episode is oddly Super funny, but super uncomfortable. And you just want the two of them to understand because Frank won't back down for this person that he does not like because he's represents everything that he hates about the same thing that Homer might hate about Mr. Burns or somebody that's super rich and doesn't seem like they have to, to work or it's 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 a very, very interesting episode in that. And again, Frank Grimes would be the hero of so many other stories. But when you put him in the Simpsons and put him close to Homer Simpson, they make him the villain. And that's something that just a very, very bold choice for them to do. Right. So let's get a little levity. 
Yeah, I think we could use that. Let's finish up. We're actually going to go back in time a little bit. We're going to go back to season seven, episode 21, originally airing on April 14th of 1996, an episode that I included just because I wanted to include it. It's a very fun episode. The Simpsons has been known, especially by the time of season seven, when this episode aired, for having a tremendously large cast of characters. Outside of the main Simpson family, you have hundreds and hundreds of of side characters and background characters. The episode that we're talking about is 22 short films about Springfield. So this one... (laughs) I love this because there are a lot of Pulp Fiction references within <laughs> this. And with the, the fact that it's well, 22 short little stories intersecting to tell one one larger meta story about the town itself. I just I think it functions. It's It's such an ambitious episode to tell like 22 separate stories almost in a 22 minute animated episode. Yes. And does so without ever feeling crammed. How they crammed, well, how they squeezed so much into this episode whose runtime, I mean, how how short was this episode? It still had to be that 24 minutes max that they do right. every time. There is theme music for characters. There is... <laughs> Cletus. Some folk will never lose a toe, but then again, some folk will like Cletus, the slack-jawed yokel. Hey, I can the, call my mom while I'm up here. I I think what works for me is, yes, one, The Simpsons has an amazing cast of peripheral characters. Some that probably couldn't hold their own show no matter how much their their fans think. I mean, like, I love Jasper. He's one of my favorite characters. I would not watch an entire episode just about Jasper. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I would, but it wouldn't work. Yeah. And, and Jasper gets, you know, he gets his moments as he does from time to time. But I think that one of the, one of the strengths of the Simpsons is that as the, the denizens of Springfield are so varied and fun to watch. And there's such a variety in this massive ensemble town. It's one of the few fictional towns that really feels like a, a massive town. Yeah. And there's a massive town whose geography changes by the day, but that doesn't matter. Exactly. And they even mention at the end of this episode, it's like, oh, you know, there's so many other stories to tell. And there are like you have 23 stories here and it doesn't really scratch the surface of the the characters that are involved in in this. Um, I I will say and I don't want to get into this at all, but uh, having watched um, this episode, I think one other this might be the only one with with Apu. I, I can see the, the stark criticisms looking back because I was like, oh boy, this is, this ain't cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a whole, a whole other I, thing. And that's a whole other can of worms, but it's like, I just, it was one thing that struck me. I was like, I was like, oof. Cause I, I don't think I had seen this episode. I mean, in, in 25 years. Yeah. And to, and to, to uh, Hank Azaria's credit who voices a poo, he, I believe has stepped away from the role, whether they're going to recast or whether they're going to just no longer use a poo. We don't know. Yeah, we we don't, um, and that's that's all I want to say is like I was like wow I yeah I mean because when, when you're a kid you just you just don't see things yeah um, so so to get to get down to this episode because again there is a lot going on in this 24 minute episode this episode has the most credited writers for any episode of The Simpsons at 11 
Uh, and it is one of only four episodes of the entire show that have a that have a written credit by creator Matt Groening, which is interesting. Hmm. Uh, it. I want to I want to narrow it down because there are a number of of short films here. We've got. Uh, You've got Lisa getting gum in her hair. You've got Apu going to the party. You've got Smithers getting stung by a bee. You've got Dick, Dr. Nick Riviera. Go, need, they need a quack. He needs a quack. Uh, you, then you've got the whole Pulp Fiction storyline that plays through. Uh, I feel like I want to start, however, with maybe the most famous segment of this episode. The Superintendent Chalmers Skinner scene. The, the Super Nintendo Chalmers and Principal Skinner dinner scene, which, yes, if you've seen the meme about steamed hams, this is the origin of it, uh, where Skinner has Superintendent Chalmers over to his house and through a series of circumstances <laughs> tells him, oh, we're having, we're not having that. That's not smoke. That's steam. We're having steamed clams. Then he goes to Krusty Burger. It's like, I thought you were having steamed clams. No, we're having steamed hams. And... <laughs> And then just it just builds and builds. Aurora Borealis at this time of year in this geography localized in your kitchen. That's right. Can I see it? No. No. <laughs> just. The, 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 yeah, this this has become such a meme, and I've seen so many. I mean, I've seen uh, people using the specific words principal Skinner says and has said to like make songs that's been cut differently. Or, I mean, they've put everything on the audience. This, this, this is every, one of the most famous bits in the Simpsons. Every time principal Skinner talks the uh, the, it gets faster. Uh, the, uh, the, the one that I watched that was the most commonly linked one was uh, uh, steamed hams, but every 13 seconds, it's a new animator. Which is very a very interesting, oh, <laughs> very cool. interesting one. Uh, you also get the other one. Uh, well, there's a one of several Pulp Fiction uh, references, but the when Chief uh, Wiggum, Lou, and Eddie are all discussing the differences between McDonald's and Krusty Burger. I go to go to Pounder with cheese. Garter Pounder. What is what is that even? Yeah, no. Just, <laughs> there are so many like, little hints here that are that are so much fun to pick up and they're not the, the cool thing about the simpsons is when it makes the references they they always deliver it in a way that you can enjoy the joke whether or not you actually get it if that makes sense <laughs> my my favorite thing about this so so this so the pulp fiction storyline actually starts much earlier when when mo has has uh Finally he gets got, robbed. Well, he, he's finally gotten Barney's bar tab back from NASA, and it's seven billion dollars or seven trillion dollars, something like that. Uh, to which uh, Barney gives him two thousand dollars, which he puts in the the cash oh, register. <laughs> well, we're halfway there, I believe he says. Uh, then the frequent jailbird snake pops in. Whoa! Also voiced by Hank Azaria. To <laughs> as is Mo. Uh, uh, to to rob the place where Mo goes into his little uh, safety zone, but then Snake just takes the stuff from the cash register anyway and moves on. Flash forward, then we've got the the uh, the the cops, the McDonald's Krusty Burger conversation, which is a direct reference to to Pulp Fiction. Moving forward, we've then got 
Millhouse in the comic book guy's comic book store trying to go to the bathroom <laughs> and can't. Uh, and a hilarious thing that happens. So, but you, you also got the, the snake running Wiggum over. So in the Bruce Willis, uh, uh, Marcellus Wallace scene where they run him over with the car and then both of them get picked up by Herman, the gun store owner who brings them in and then puts the ball gags into their mouths and all of that. And it just, it plays out so beautifully throughout the entire episode, little bits and pieces there until Millhouse finally saves the day by accidentally hitting everybody with a, with a flail. <laughs> but the thing I love most about this point is the little tiny references because snake is he's stolen this money from Mo, right? And the line he says is, Oh, goodbye, student loan payments. And for the rest of the episode, Snake is wearing a Middlebury College t-shirt. <laughs> Middlebury College is a college in Vermont. <laughs> it's an actual place. The implication being that Snake graduated from Middlebury and is still paying off his student loans. Which is also funny because Snake is often referenced as going to Princeton, uh, but uh, that was not uh, in the cards in this episode. So very, very funny to me, personally. Yeah, I also... Um, I'm trying to remember what's like some of the other favorite bits. Uh, I love the bit with Nelson finally getting his. <laughs> it's a beautiful moment. <laughs> he basically laughs at this guy who then turns the tables and humiliates... Nelson by basically putting on a parade where everyone points and laughs at him for a change. And everybody in town knows the ha 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 ha. Uh, and then it beautifully ends with uh, Bart and Milhouse squirting ketchup on <laughs> Nelson because they're still on the overpass because they started the episode on the over- overpass, which is what started this entire episode. And it's yet, very Tarantino esque. And yet, Miles, that is more. only. <laughs> short film 21 because short film 22 begins right at the end of the episode with professor frank running in with his title card and his story (laughs) and then he's cut off by and then he's cut off by the credits which is just a fantastic little moment it's it's a very very funny episode if we if you had put together something that wasn't you were trying not to frame of what was going on i would have expected this one on there as well um and, and overall, I, I just think this is it, this is a really good collection of episodes that showcase the range and humor of The Simpsons. I, I know that this is really focused on about a three season range of of episodes, but it's also from some of the strongest writing this show's ever had. Uh, I mean, again, I agree. That's the thing about this show is that. It's funny looking back, and we mentioned it in the the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie episode, that by this point, it was season eight, and people were thinking the show was probably nearing the end of its run. And that's especially funny now that we're in season 31, but <laughs> here we still are. And And again, it's one of those situations where... I'm of a generation that I have a specific set of episodes that I watched when I was a particular age, and those are my Simpsons era. But that's not everybody's Simpsons era, because there are people that say that seasons 20 through 25 are really fantastic episodes. 
I haven't watched those because I haven't watched this show in 10 years regularly. Not not for any reason other than it was it it hasn't been super easy to find streaming all the time. Uh, and I also felt like I missed a bunch of stuff, which is dumb for me to think because these episodes are typically all standalone. So I could really watch them anytime I wanted. Drew, get your head in the game for The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I, I'm the kind of person where, yeah, I've also heard that 20 through 25 are, are, are really strong. But I'm also the kind of person that, well, I also haven't watched the last uh, 10 to 15 years regularly. I, I kind of want to see everything that I've missed. Exactly. And luckily, even I, I'm a lot like you, like even though I hear these are the ones to watch and the Simpsons does not necessarily have an overarching story. It's still something that in my brain, I still got to see if, you know, 15 through 19 are pretty good. And, and this is the thing. Whenever I'm asked that age old question of if you could only take one TV show on a desert Island and that would be what you had for the rest of your life. The Simpsons is my choice, not only because I know there are 15 seasons that I love, but there are 15 seasons that I haven't seen. And I don't care if they're bad. It's a ton of content. And it's a ton of content that I think I would still enjoy. I, I feel like I'm 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 not as critical as those alt.tv.simpsons newsgroup people when it comes to I, I, I'm I'm with you. In fact, maybe sometime down the road we can we can challenge ourselves for a month or something to to focus on a latter ep- season of The Simpsons. I I would be very curious to do that, or at least to maybe compare an earlier season like Six, which is so funny that that's a that's an early season when I most mean, shows dude, don't even get six seasons. It's so funny what like doing the the research on the Itchy and Scratchy Poochie episode and what that episode is all about. It is so funny to me because yeah. that was the criticism in 1997. We're in 2020 and the show is still on blows my mind it's it's incredible I mean, it's a testament to to one how beloved the simpsons are on a whole because you can say what you want about the content the, the the fox wouldn't put it on there every single year unless it was making some money and i can 100 percent guarantee the moment that they announce that the simpsons is ending the last episode of the simpsons is going to be the most watched tv show of all time I'll stake I, that. I'll stake I, I, I would be very interested because of the state of television and live television, but I, I, I would not be surprised if that ended up being the case. I would make the time for that, honestly. I would too. Uh, so that is going to wrap it up for our discussion on comfort food, The Simpsons, some classic episodes that are near and dear to my heart. Miles, I hear you've got something cooked up for us next week. Well, so some ba- some some inside baseball about this show for for a time period, and it may happen again. Uh, Drew and I were were heavily heavily geared towards focusing the more you nerd on syndicated television shows uh, because we both have a passion for syndicated television shows, especially of the 80s and 90s. You may hear some of that passion come out in the future on this show. You definitely will. And so I was trying to think of something that I love. And if you, if you have got, if you have gone back or have, or go back and listen to our Nick Vember episodes where we were dedicated to Nickelodeon shows, 
listen to our Are You Afraid of Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. You know how much I love uh, horror and 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 supernatural geared towards uh, a younger demographic. Uh, it's what got me really started in the genre, and it's something that I continue to to like. And so, uh, putting both of those together, and and kind of in the vein of looking back on something that I used to watch uh, 20 years ago, I am going to challenge us to watch So Weird. Uh, So Weird is a show that aired on Disney in 1999, and it centered on a teenage girl named Fiona Phillips who toured with her rock star mom while encountering paranormal activity along the way. This is Uh, such a Miles show. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, it's also such a Disney show, but the series was noted, uh, especially for Disney, uh, for taking a darker tone than a lot of other Disney Channel shows did. Now, don't go expecting the X-Files, and I will I will announce on Twitter specifically which six or seven episodes we're going to watch. But I, I love syndicated shows, and I love like nostalgic not just nostalgic shows but shows that that from this era they all have a certain feel to it especially genre shows and especially their use of the weird cgi that they were just starting to figure out (laughs) and if i need to like really chill out i I will bring up something like this and watch that as opposed to a, a a newer film or trying something new sometimes you just you want a nice comforting warm glass of milk and so we are going to watch so weird it is not something we have done before in the more you nerd and i'm excited to uh, to get through this uh, drew have you ever watched the show never even heard of it miles never even heard of it even better okay well so uh next week you will hear uh drew's fresh thoughts about so weird and uh what it's like for me coming back uh, 20 years later and just reevaluating some of the some of the show's strong points probably some what you know, comes out as a Disney show from 1999, but I I am really really stoked to to get into this for our our third uh, week of comfort food or fourth week of comfort food. The third, it's third. Okay, cool. Uh, I can't count anymore. <laughs> but yes, been in my house for a month. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because like I'm still in that I'm I'm still kind of enjoying it, but at the same time I've lost all concept of time and numbers. Um, but I, I, I'm super, super excited to continue this. Just this whole theme has been really nice to go through. Yeah, it's, it, it has brought me some much needed solace. I am in the middle of my fourth week uh, being home in my house, not leaving except to go to the grocery store maybe Same. once a week. Uh, and not, and my children have only left the house to go in the yard for uh, three and a half weeks now, which luckily we have a yard. I mean, that's again, I, I, I understand the privilege of that now. Like I, I get it. I do. <laughs> it's, it's, this is a trying, trying time. And it's exactly why we're doing the themes that we're doing because we want, and we're hoping that people are playing along with us. This is why I'm going to put putting the episodes on on Twitter that we're going to watch, so you can walk watch along with us. Because you know, I think experiencing other people's comfort food is very interesting. What what brings other people joy and that sense of uh, a creative warm blanket. And even if you're like comic book guy and you think this is the worst episode ever you might be able to 
find some joy even in that? I mean, for me, it's it's mostly I mean, just hearing how passionate I, I I can tell. It's why I've kind of like you just took the reins of this episode that you were just really stoked to just go through these episodes, and I could hear it in your voice, and it it was exciting for me to just kind of go on that journey with you because. I know how important this show is to you and I know how formative it was to you. So getting to hear you really kind of go into how much you appreciate this show was great for me. I like the Simpsons. I don't have the same relationship, but I can, I can look at it through your eyes. And for me, that is still a comforting experience. And so I appreciate you for sharing that. Greatest show of all time. Even though I haven't <laughs> seen it for 10 years. Greatest show of all time. Well, Drew, if, if uh, other people want to share some comfort food with us, our email inbox is still looking a little little, little skinny. Yeah, we know y'all got time. Email us. Email us. TheMoreYouNerd at gmail.com. TheMoreYouNerd at gmail.com. And uh, until next week, Drew, let's end this show as we always do with a rousing nerd. nerd. Oh, out. <laughs> One day. Don't. I'm that right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>